0: Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome back. So excited to see everyone again. I'm really excited to dive into today's topic. So as everyone's joining here, we have a really exciting show planned for you this is a show about how to nail the sdr to ae transition so put a one in the chat if you're joining this webinar because this is exactly the path that you want to take super interested to see so today we have a couple super special guests with us we have Kat over at sixth sense and rod at gradient ai uh and myself caroline i'm your host Really quick before we dive in, though, if you are looking to level up your sales skills in 2023, you have come to the right place. Go ahead and scan this QR code, and you'll want to save this for after today's show. But this is going to give you the latest actionable tactics from pros um, at the top of their game in the SaaS space. It's also going to give you technical deep dive opportunities, so really, really exciting stuff. And A huge shout out. Thank you to our partner, Gong. So today's daily drop is how to prospect to CFOs. We're going to put it in the chat. Uh, If this is something that speaks to you, if you prospect into the C-suite and you are looking for better tactical ways to prospect uh, to CFOs in particular, look at this daily drop. It's going to save your life. Awesome. So today we're going to dive in. We're going to talk a little bit about the day to day changes from an SDR to an A.E. And we're also going to talk about how to manage up and secure that promotion. Uh, Both Kat and Rod and myself have secured that very same promotion. So we're going to tell you a little bit about the tactical ways in which we did that. We're also going to talk about other career paths available to you, because I'm sure some people tuning in are kind of sitting here like, I don't know if this is for me. Maybe I want to go into leadership or enablement or marketing. Between the three of us, we've done it all. So we will talk to you about how to do that, too. Before we dive in. Curious, as always, who's in the room? Uh, let us know if you are coming to us as a current SDR or BDR, if you are a current closer, if you're a frontline manager or a sales leader. Everyone is welcome. And if you're something completely different, put it in the chat. We'd love to know who's joining. You can also put in the chat where you're from. If anyone's from Boston, represent.
2: <laughs> Great. Caroline, I'll, I'll be there next week. I'll be in Boston next week.
1: Oh my gosh. So exciting. That's amazing. I I wish I was in Boston right now. I'm in Austin. If anyone is in Austin too, represent.
0: Um, I feel like no one's ever in Wisconsin.
1: (laughs) This is true. I'm seeing a lot of Chicago, Boston, Hawaii. Oh my gosh. Italy. We've got some international sales love here today. Mm. This is awesome. So where I want to start with this conversation is really just around how do you know if the SDR to AE transition is for you? So Kat, tell me, like, what made you confident that the SDR to AE transition was something you wanted to do? So I think it's funny because I was not confident at all when I
0: first started as an SDR. Then I got promoted to a BDR at Zendesk where I was. I talked to every single marketing or possible, like marketing analytics, product marketing, customer marketing. I talked to everyone in marketing. I talked to customer support managers. I really didn't think sales was for me because I was just like, ew, I don't want to be a seller. It was just like still back then about three years ago, just felt icky and I didn't know if it was for me. So I did everything in my power to evaluate other things. And then um, the interview was kind of just like thrown to me like, hey, you have two days interview and I did it. And then they're like, if you want the offer, you can have it. So it kind of just fell into my lap. That way it definitely took hard work. But I did not know that I wanted to go from ER to AE. So, if anyone's feeling like that, you are not alone.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's not. It's not like always the easiest transition. It's also not always what everyone wants. So, it sounds like what you did was kind of process of elimination. Like you got to know what other roles would be like. Um, put a one in the chat if you that. And uh, Rod, how about yourself? What what kind of made you confident that this switch was for you?
2: It's funny. Like uh, I definitely resonate with Cat's uh, story where. I stumble into the world of business-to-business sales, like I think, kind of everybody has, or a lot. So many people have stumbled into sales or into specific roles in general. Um, but last year, when I was, I think the sec, the second fastest SDR to AE promotion at ZoomInfo, a lot of why that happened is because I went into that role, articulating to every person that would listen to me in leadership, I want to be an AE, right? I knew that that's what I wanted, and I and I wanted that because I realized. And having explored the options of you know, going into marketing, enablement, leadership, um, I want to be an individual contributor. I want to have um, responsibility over my own success, right? That's really, that's, that's plenty for me to manage right now. I want to be solely focused on my own success, my own responsibility, and I want to get to that ideal point where you can work 40 hours a week or maybe a little less from a beach and close six-figure deals, Right. That's a pretty good life. And I kind of want that.
1: That makes so much sense. I feel like everyone could benefit from working from the beach at least a couple of days a week. Um, no, that makes so much sense. And I think, you know, kind of what I'm hearing you say, too, is that there's more autonomy maybe with being a closer than there is in other roles where you're maybe kind of watched more and you have more strenuous KPIs and activity based metrics and stuff like that. Whereas when you're in a closing role, and we'll touch on this a little bit later in the show, Um, less of your day maybe is spent prospecting. I don't know, does someone want to cite me in the chat about that? Because I feel like, I I feel like there's like this contentious, yeah, Julia. Julia, I see you. See
0: you here, Julia.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. No, listen, that could be me being ignorant, right? Like I'm I'm not in a closing role, I have been before. And I feel like part of why I wanted to transition to a closing role was so that I could prospect less. And then I found myself doing it like probably 50 50. Um, No, but these are all really good points. So I kind of want to chat to like, does this does this change major parts of your day to day? Um, You know, aside from maybe the prospecting to meeting split, like what does your day to day look like as a closer versus an SDR?
0: So for me, I would still say the majority of my day is prospecting, like any downtime I have, I'm prospecting and figuring out what to reach out to. Um, so I would love to say like a 60-40 split, but uh, we're seeing that things are slowing down in the market. So I would say it's a lot more prospecting. And then the um, deals you're getting into obviously like start to pick up more of my time and my attention, but you still need to be prospecting, especially again in this environment. Otherwise, you're going to fall behind. You might have one great quarter. And if you're not prospecting during that quarter, the next quarter is just going to be Horrible. So, every downtime I have when I'm not talking with a prospect or a customer or internal meetings, I am prospecting in some capacity.
2: Mm-hmm. And what about you, Rod? I would like for it to be 50-50, right? I think that's a I think that's a fair split of like fifty percent building out your you know potential opportunities or even just target accounts, and then fifty percent running meetings, sending follow ups, um, you know, chasing down the decision maker. Um, it's tough to even attain that balance. And to, to Kat's point, it's important to prospect when you're not doing well, because, you know, as an AD, you have autonomy and you have, it's almost like you're a, you're a small business in and of yourself where you are responsible for your success and you have to contribute as much as you can to the factors that are within your control, right? Such as how many emails you send, how many calls you make, how many uh, c- accounts you identify. Um, so like when you're not doing well, it's really important to prospect because you, you that drives your success directly. And when you're doing well, it's really important to prospect because then you're like, oh, man, like I had a great order. Like I can I can relax a little bit. And then coming into, you know, Q4 or whatever, you're like, what happened to my pipeline?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's so true. I feel like as an SDR and as a closer, something that's similar about both of the roles is you have to 5x your pipeline. You really can't ever kind of rest on your laurels. Like I remember when I was an SDR, one day I booked 10 meetings in a day and I was like, all right, boss, I'm heading home. And she's like, no, you're not like this was a great day. But in two weeks from now, you're going to have a dried up pipeline and you're going to be crying to me. Julia, I know I was I was a wizard on the phones. Uh, (laughs) And um, it's just one of those things where you have to 5x your pipeline or 10x or whatever makes the most sense for you, whether you're in that SDR role or that AE role. But I'm curious, both of you, and I know we hadn't really touched on this yet. There's a difference in how you're comped. There's a difference in what you're like measured on and and based on. As an SDR, it's more about like how many meetings you book, how many of those meetings turn into qualified opportunities. Whereas as a seller, really, what you're comped on is how much money you bring into the business, right? Like, do you guys find that that's something that stressed you out or motivated
2: you? i'll I'll start this one. Um, it's definitely a shift in when you get the the dopamine hit, right? As an SDR, you get it right away when you book the meeting, and then when the meeting occurs. Or typically, obviously, this changes a lot based on organizations. But sometimes you get paid when the meeting happens. Sometimes you get paid when after the meeting happened, way down the line, when it became a qualified opportunity. Um, sometimes you get you get paid a sliver of the total closed deal. Um, but generally speaking, SDRs get a much sooner, earlier dopamine hit. And AEs, depending on what segment you are, like maybe you're in a super transactional, you know, uh, week-long sales cycle where you talk to somebody on Monday and you'll probably close it by Friday, yeah. right? That's a pretty short dopamine cycle, but that's not very common, especially in the world of SaaS where it can take months, you know, and that's, and that is a big difference that I don't think a lot of folks, and it, I don't think there's a good way to to um, pair for that.
1: Mm. Pat, what do you think?
0: Yeah, it's definitely a difference. When I was a BDR, it was so hard because it was out of my control to have someone else decide if they were going to flip it from like a stage zero to stage one. And that was how we were comped. So for me, I'd be like, what? That was a really good call. I would always join all of my stage zero. We called them at that time when my AE was actually having discovery so that I could kind of hold them accountable. I was probably so annoying, but I recommend it because it helped me learn the skills of hey, these are really good questions to be asking. These are the questions maybe they missed. And then we can kind of strategize together. And I feel like I gained some respect in that way too. But it was so incredibly frustrating to jump on a call. No, it went really well. And they're like, no, I'm going to kill it. Like You don't get credit for it. So that drove me nuts. But it was nice to get like the dopamine hit when it did happen right away. And then you could move on to the next. Whereas when you're in a closing role, there might be a deal that really drags out. And you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, I have to stay on top of that while also working other deals. So it's hard to have that like multitasking, if you will, and keeping everything in the air at the same time, whereas it felt like SDR and BDR was more of just like, a, OK, now I'm done on to the next one.
1: Yeah, you really do drop off at a very clear part in the sales cycle. Like as an SDR, for everyone on this call who's looking to get promoted to a closing role, I would listen to what Kat's saying. I would join those intro calls. I would make that intro to your AE and your prospect. It gives you a sense of control, even though you probably don't really have much of one. But it also kind of helps you understand how that conversation's going. It also tells you whether that person showed up or not. Like sometimes it can be hard to chase your A.E. down and be like, hey, how'd this go? Did this person show up? Um, So I have a question for the audience kind of on the subject of SDR versus A.E. compensation. What percentage of your income as a top performing SDR? Do you have more income than an A.E., maybe a lower performing A.E.? And what I mean by this is, do people think that you can be making more money as a top performing SDR That is as an AE? I'm super curious. Right now, the results are kind of scattered. Some people are saying absolutely not. Some people are saying yes. Listen, I'll share with everyone in the room. Like when I was a top performing SDR, I was making way more money than I was as a lower performing AE. Um, different, I, I think different skill sets for sure, but also just it, you get compensated on a different timeline. Um so let's kind of chat a little bit about um, how to actually get that promotion. So, I want to talk about. I want. I actually want our our guests here to talk about internal networking. So, Rod, this is a fantastic quote from you. Do you want to explain to the audience what you meant by this?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And the more I think about this, the more I think it relates to so many different other things. But um, who you know is 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 more important than what you know when in the context of getting promoted to an eight year old. Um, just like as an SDR, it will benefit benefit you to map out a given organization, right? You know, maybe you're trying to book a meeting with the CEO and you can't get the CEO right away who reports into the CEO and the organization that cares about. How does the decision-making process work out there? Like, how do I figure out how decisions get made so I can get to the right people and ask the right questions? That's the exact same reasoning one wants to apply when they're asking the question of like, how does an AE promotion happen at my company? What are the, obviously the number one criteria in any, if if this is a good sales organization, the number one criteria should be how much money are you bringing in as an SDR, as an AE. That's typically the number one consideration for how likely are you to be promoted. But then what is number two, right? What are some of those soft evaluation metrics that you really learn by talking to people?
1: Totally agree. Internal networking is so important for so many other factors than just promotions, like building an internal brand is really important, too. But I I, 100 percent agree with you. Kat. I know we talked a little bit about how you kind of process of elimination your decision to move into a closing role. But can you talk to us a little bit about the relationships that you built with people internally and who specifically you built relationships with to get this promotion? The biggest relationships I think I, bu- I built
0: were with other AEs, actually. I had so many conversations like shadowing them, understanding their day to day. And that's like my biggest tip even to BDRs at SixSense Sense, where I am right now, of like, hey, chat with the AEs and understand what's going on. Like, of course, the hiring manager is great to talk to or like the director or VP or whatever. But like team dynamics and culture are so important, at least like my team culture. I'm so lucky to have a great close knit team that like we don't want someone to come in necessarily like not that we're like petty or we're going to like keep people out like obviously if you're good we want to make sure it's a culture fit too and that for instance if we have like a team of all guys we want maybe a gal to come in or whatnot so i think just like earning those like if we're going to use sils lingo like mobilizers on like a team that you would want to join is so important because then they can go to their boss and be like listen i know we're up to like it's either this person or this person but this person has been putting in the work they have been meeting with me every day or not every day gosh please don't meet with Nae me every day <laughs> but um maybe like every week monthly whatnot and that holds so much value i think because again team chemistry and culture is so important especially where it's such a stressful job you need your people to lean on so i would say that would be the one like a uh, one people probably don't expect like you probably thought i was gonna be like go to your ceo and book time with them Mm-mm. you can but I would say start lower and build those relationships with those AEs.
1: Yeah, it's almost like when you're prospecting, right? Like you want to multi-thread. You want to have a bunch of people on the team championing for you internally. Um, you almost want to pull out those same tactics when you're trying to get an internal promotion. Um, can you talk a little bit about, because what you just said is brilliant. And I hope everyone kind of latches on to that. But I also want to hear a little bit about your path to the promotion and how your manager helped you with that. Do you feel like you were able to go to your manager and say, hey, if I do this, this and this is a promotion in my path? Like what what was that kind of like? Yeah, we definitely had a very clear
0: understanding of like you had to be a BDR for eight months. You had to hit your goal. So there was very clear metrics of like that was baseline, like that was just expected of you. And then on top of that, like what were you doing outside of it? So I'd come in with like a win sheet basically of like I've helped so and so with onboarding. I have done X you know with marketing or Y training so like started building this together and really made a case for myself of how I'd stand out from someone else that just had the same metrics as me so being able to present that but I was also really transparent with my manager he was awesome that poor guy I was like I don't know if I want to be an AE and he was like okay we're gonna have to navigate this together and he was so patient but um I truly think that like having that leader that's willing to help you, Figure out, hey, is A.E. the right one
1: or should we go somewhere else? But that wind sheet, going back, wind sheet is huge. I want to touch on wind sheet too because I think this is going to be like such a nugget of gold for everyone in the audience. Um, Rod, can you talk a little bit about how you did this too, like how you worked with your manager to secure this promotion, maybe how you had like a mutual accountability plan, something like that?
2: Yeah. So uh, my process is definitely a little different than cats where I came in and I was like, hey, listen, I want to be an A.E. That was the very first thing out of my mouth, right? So my manager, and and it's funny, from from the perspective of all all of our sales managers, their big challenge is like, how do we motivate, especially in like a a remote setting, how do we motivate people to do what is essentially a pretty difficult job, right? So if you tell them, this is the thing that I want, this is the carrot you can dangle in front of me, you've just made their lives significantly easier, right? So I, I told my manager, this is what I want. This is, you know, this is how you can motivate me. What do I need to do to get there? And then he gave me, you know, he told me like, obviously, you need to be a high performing uh, SDR. You need to establish good relationships with your aes You need to have really good product knowledge. And I was like, okay, cool. But my manager, my SDR manager, isn't the one who makes the final call on who's going to be the next ad in the within my geography within my sector, which are considerations as well, right? So what I did was, you know, I got his buy-in, and when I had a really good month, and this is a very specific sort of thing, when you're doing well. That's when you should start, um, going up a little broader and, you know, talk to your VP, be like, Hey, I'd love to put 15 minutes on your calendar and just like kind of introduce myself to you, ask you some questions, have specific questions for the other leaders in your organization that you think are involved with the AD hiring process, right? Um, do it when you've had a good month, cause they're, they're for sure going to be looking at your numbers and you don't want to like be taking time on your calendar when you missed your last order or whatever. Um, and, uh. And it's like the questions you ask, the information you gather is as important as them becoming familiar with your face. Mm-hmm. You need for them to be familiar with your face so that next time there's like a really, really tough decision between you being promoted or somebody else. That could be the defining factor.
1: This is brilliant. I, and, and I want to touch on something, too, that you just said. What you just said is, you know, ask the right questions. Make sure you're coming prepared with an agenda to those meetings. I would argue that it's the same when you're shadowing an AE. You're not just going to want to message an AE and be like, hey, I'm an SDR. Can I shadow you? You're going to want to come with a perspective, come with questions, come wanting to shadow a specific part of the sales cycle, come wanting to sharpen a specific set of your skills. Otherwise, you're probably going to run the risk of annoying people. You don't want to do that. You don't want to build a brand internally that you just kind of sit there lurking in the corner on Zoom watching AE's prospect. Like come with some really good questions. Um, I saw something in the chat. I want to address it. So someone in the chat said, can we have some advice on navigating office politics with promotions? Oof, that's a tough one. <laughs> I want to kind of turn to Kat and Rod. What do you both think? You know, without getting too specific, obviously, like how have you both navigated maybe some more negative office politics?
2: I'm going to I'm going to jump in here real quick because this is something I actually wanted to touch on, not in the context of office politics, but one of the biggest criteria uh, for promotion in an AE role next to how much money are you able to bring in how much activity are you able to drive how hard are you able to work is how easy is it to work with you if you're the top performing AE but you piss everybody off and your attitude is nasty and you you think really highly of yourself and like and when you and your leadership thinks that you know like this guy's going to be a handful that's not going to go well and in the context of office politics like um Every company has different things going on. Every SDR role has different difficulties going on. You ideally always want to be the kind of person that's showing up with solutions, Mm -hmm. not problems. And if you are raising a problem, at least come to the table with this, with a suggestion or a solution, right? Do some of the work as well. Showing up with solutions, having a good attitude. This is a tough job. The managers hear from every SDR that they manage that this is a tough job. If If you can be the one that doesn't tell them that, like it goes a long way, right? Good attitude. Propose solutions and come to come to any conversation you have with something of an agenda, something of an idea of like, what are the questions? What is, what is the specific thing I'm trying to touch on um, people that you make good use of people's time that way? And they find that tremendously. Powerful.
1: Love it. That's all just that resonates 100 percent. Kat, what do you think? Have you ever had to navigate office politics? And if so, what would you recommend to this person in the chat? Yes. First off, mic drop. Way to go, Rob. That was
0: so fun. <laughs> <What> the- <laughs> <laughs> Dang, I'm like trying to think of what to add on to it. Um, honestly, just finding your tribe within a company, too, of people that will support you. Like, if you can find a manager or a director or a VP uh, that will loop you into other conversations or introduce you to others, like, that's very easily how I got my face everywhere, basically. Like, I was just introduced by one person to another, to another, because I was just so curious. Finding your tribe of people that will support you. And then, kind of like at every company, especially the bigger it gets, there's always going to be kind of those like cancers, if you will, or the people that like just suck energy. Like, don't associate yourself with that. Like, stay as far as you can because as soon as they start associating you with that individual or that group, like that just brings your brand down. So, just protect who you're around, I think is huge. And just finding people that will vouch for you and are willing to. I don't know, share, like everyone wants to talk about themselves, the thing. So if you put time on someone's calendar and you explain why you want to learn from them, what piqued the interest to have the conversation, people will open up and very quickly connect with you. See you as a curious individual, not as someone that's like slimy trying to get get in or whatever it may be. Instead, genuinely caring and curious, they're more likely to help you out. Like at their at their core, most people are good, in my opinion. Um, but stay away from the ones that maybe at their core are a little
1: rotten. There are some. That's that, I mean, it's good advice. Like, it, it almost sounds obvious, right? Like, stay away from negativity. But seriously, like, I can't stress enough. If someone's slacking you to complain or be negative, it can be really tempting to respond and to kind of get into that. But that's not how you build a good internal brand for yourself. Um at the same time, I'll play devil's advocate and I'll say this, like, if you feel like there are office politics that are preventing you from being promoted, even though you're working really hard, internally networking, building a good brand, it might be time for you to move on. Um, you also have to consider the fact that there are companies, and I've worked for some too, that have really, really seedy, kind of shady internal policies. And you got to, you you have to get real with yourself. And this is why it's so important to have an external mentor so that you can bounce ideas off of this person, and they're unbiased. Um, talk to them about what's going on. Talk to them about your progress and how you're still not making headway within your company. And if you feel like it's not you, it's them, move on, right? And I know it's a tough economy that's not accessible to everyone, but if it is accessible to you, it, it's really, really important to move on. I'm seeing some like really great questions about how to find external mentors. I'll touch on this really quick because I don't want to get too off topic. Ask people. That's like my biggest piece of advice. Find someone on LinkedIn who you want to be in five years and ask them if they would take 30 minutes out of their calendar each month to talk to you about your career and maybe offer them like a $15 Starbucks gift card or something fun. Um, This kind of loops back to getting a promotion, though. You won't get it if you don't ask. So be bold, ask. Um, That's the greatest way to get a promotion and to find an external mentor, I think.
2: So I want to touch on... People love talking about themselves. Look at their that's LinkedIn cool. find something cool about them. Ask them something cool. People love talking about themselves. Ask them questions about themselves. Yes. Dang.
1: Yes. No, that's like 100% true. And even if you like come to one of these shows, for example, and you say, gosh, Rod is so cool. Like, I really wish he could be someone who I could talk with every month. DM him, right? Like DM people who you watch on, on webinars and podcasts and talk to them about whether or not they I know Rod's like.
2: R.I.P. R.I.P. My DMs. She's. No, it happens every time we do all these. Stuff.
0: I love it. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. I'll take it. I want friends.
1: <laughs> I do too. You can always DM me. I'll do my best. Um, Kat, I want to loop back to what you were talking about with win sheets. Can you explain to everyone what that is and how it's helped you secure promotions? Yeah. So anytime I
0: get a email from someone saying, "Hey, this was a really good email," like a prospecting email, I'll screenshot it, put it into a folder. I used to do it on my like work computer, but then I realized like if I move on, (laughs) upload it to the cloud, you don't want it stuck on that computer Um, or do it on like a personal one or email into your personal one so you don't lose it. So I would say like anytime you get praise internally, like whether it's a Slack channel or a shout out, if even a peer says like you've helped me so much with X, save that. Literally save every little thing possible because it adds up and you have this just like one sheet. And it's like a brag sheet. I think that's what we called it at Zendesk. My manager said, it's a brag sheet. You're allowed to pull it up. You're allowed to say like, hey, look at what other people unsolicited have said about me. Like, this is pretty awesome. Like, it can feel so uncomfortable to do. But again, it keeps you apart uh, from all the other people or puts you apart from all the other people doing the exact same metrics as you. If everyone's hitting their number, like, what are you going to do to go above and beyond and stand out? So it's very simple to be like. Hey, on the back end, you're not going through all my emails. Look at all these emails I'm getting a response or a call snippet or just anything and everything. I say, just throw it in there. And then it's cool also to look back on the year and be like, whoa, I remember a year ago I was so nervous to talk to like a CFO or something or a CMO. And now look at, like, I feel so confident that one message like propelled my confidence. So, it's always nice to reflect on too. I still look back on mine from my SDR days when I first started four years ago, and I'm like, wow, I've grown a lot. So, go
2: mm. listen.
1: It's uh, this is brilliant, and and seriously, like everyone who came to this show with the question, "How do I get promoted?" This this is tactical, right? Keep a folder on your computer of all of the screenshots of accolades that you get, whether it's a Slack, an email, anything like that. All of the best calls that you have recorded. And I'll even say too, like screenshot dashboards with your metrics, right? those screenshots, I just can probably hear my dogs. They're like, yeah. <laughs> screenshot dashboards with your metrics. If you booked 10 meetings in a day, screenshot that. Right? <laughs> like make sure that you're actually keeping tabs on this. Rod, did you did you do something like this too? Would you add anything to what you keep in this windsheet type thing?
2: Yeah, I would add that I didn't do this and I wish I had. <laughs> not, not to the extent that Kat has, right? And the times that I did it, I did it on the work computer where I I always ran a lot of reports. I always had a very good idea on how much revenue I contributed to as an SDR, all of these different kinds of things. And then when, you know, when I've left some organizations over the years, like, okay, well, I guess, you know, that's whatever it's fine. There were, there have been many times where like, man, how much revenue did I bring in in like Q4 of 2019? You know, how many meetings did I book, right? How many of those are with C-level? Like, dang, I wish I had some of that information for when I'm interviewing, for when I'm making a case for myself for an SDR promotion, right? It's tremendously valuable for for a million different reasons. Definitely do it and do it uh, in a way that you, it's saved in your personal cloud or computer somewhere.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, and like, you shouldn't feel shady doing this either. Like, I know some people are probably like, oh, but isn't this like lying? No, it's not. Like, this is this is you building a security blanket for yourself. We all know that economic times are turbulent right now, layoffs left and right. You want to be prepared if the worst case scenario happens. But you also just want to be prepared if the best case scenario happens. And if you're up for a promotion or you know, you're know you poached by a, a headhunter for another company, like be prepared for the best case scenario. Um, this is awesome. So I have another question for everyone in the audience. And this is going to touch on our next topic. So should you be prospecting as an AE? And this is super binary because I want to I want to have debates with people about this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't want to debate, but I just I'm so I'm curious. Julie, I know, not cue Julia. Exactly. So a lot of people are saying yes. A couple people are saying no. I want to say for the people who are saying no, I get it to some extent. Like maybe you feel like you have kind of earned the right to not prospect as much anymore. I do think there are plenty of arguments to be made, <laughs> Julia, in the in the comments here. Plenty of arguments to be made that prospecting as an AE is just as valuable. Um, no downside, truly no downside. So curious on that topic, I want to talk a little bit about the qualities of a closer. We touched on this a little bit. Here are the three main ones that we identified. Rod, if you want to start chatting through these, and then I think Kat, if if you have anything to add, I just want to talk about what the main qualities are of a closer.
2: Yeah, and I mean, Kat has more years of experience closing than I do, so I'm actually really curious to hear what she has to say. But like the theme of um of these, you know, challenging the status quo, uncovering pain, nailing discovery, um. The theme of it is like controlling what is within your control, just as, just like as an SDR, the things that are within your control are typically how many calls you make, how many emails you send out, um, you know, uh, the kinds of questions you ask when somebody does answer the phone, you can't control whether somebody's going to pick up. You can't control whether, the, uh, whether they'll take a meeting, right? So focusing on the things that are within your control, same thing as a closer, when you're running Uh, a call where 15 minutes is dedicated to discovery, 15 minutes is dedicated to showing the demo, what is within your control, right? Um, Understanding what their pains, understanding what their current situation is, you know, how much that even relates to what you're able to help with. Um, Asking really, really good questions, not just understand their current situation, but then to kind of drive, start pushing them in the direction of like, okay, so this is a problem for you. What are you doing about it? What are you doing to solve this problem? Like start to tease that out of them. and then eventually when they get to the point and then eventually there's going to be a decision process of like, hey, you know, like things are OK right now or like, you know, this is not I, I see the value in your solution, but, you know, we're doing just fine. Then you really need to leverage everything you've done with with pain and with discovery to be like, but is it really is it really fine, given what you said? Right.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Pat, what do you think as someone who has the most experience out of all of us, you know, in a closing role? What do you think about this list? Would you agree? Is there anything major that you'd add? I agree with
0: these. I would add in that being able to follow a process, whether that's a sales process that your company put in place. So like at ZenS, we had a really great sales process. At SixSense, we have a really tight one that we follow. Or maybe you're still at a company that's a little early on and you don't have a sales process. Reach out to someone um, that has been at a company that's a little bit bigger that has kind of that sales process. It could help. It's not always transferable. For instance, Arts and commercial is very different than enterprise, which is very different than strategic. So it does vary a little bit. But being able to say, okay, if this happens, then this is the next step. Once this next step happens, then this should happen. I feel like being organized in that capacity and just understanding like what should my process look like so that I'm not just out here guessing my way through calls is so valuable. And I feel like that's missed a lot with AEs. And then secondly, like relationship building to me. It's like, for SDRs, it can be super transactional. I know like, it doesn't have to be and we don't want it to be, but it can be, hey, I got the meeting, have fun basically with the AE, I'm moving on, right? Whereas, which I mean, that's not the case, hopefully, at most companies, but it is a reality for a lot. Um, and that was a reality for me. I was just worried about them getting on the call and then I never talked to them again. Instead, as an AE, it's really building that relationship and holding their hand through the process. And then even afterwards, maintaining that is so important. That's when I started truly falling in love with sales when I found out it didn't have to be transactional. You can actually care about people and want them to be successful. And what you tell them is accurate. You're not just selling them you know, unicorns and rainbows. And um, then all of a sudden they sign on as a customer and they're, for lack of better words, pissed off. They're like, I hate salespeople because of what Kat said, you know? So I think those are the two things that I would add is having a sales process and then having the relationships and truly caring about the success of that customer.
1: Mm, yeah, 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 being able to work within a specific process. And also like when you're an SDR, I think it's important to be able to work within frameworks too, but you can kind of A-B test a little bit more than when you're a closer, because when you're a closer, there's money on the line, there's deadlines, there's timelines, there's You know legal there's all these contractual things that you have to follow too and when you're in sdr i'm not saying that you don't have to follow any of that but it's a little bit more you know come as you are follow the process that your manager sets out but you can a b test things so i think that's a really important call out um and i want to talk a little bit too about nails discovery this is something that both of us um or all three of us talked a little bit about yesterday rod you talked about this as being like one of the biggest differentiators how does Discovery differ as an AE than it does as an SDR?
2: Um, if you're a good SDR, it doesn't that much. A good SDR in a, in a three to six minute long cold call is able to figure out a reason why somebody should meet with us other than, hey, I have a really cool product, right? right? What's going on in the world? What are, they, what are the pains or, or challenges are they experiencing? What trend within a given industry or department can they relate to? And how can we leverage that superficially to pique interest and curiosity for a 15, 30 minute long call, right? That's the, that core of like asking questions and uncovering a challenge. That's the root of discovery. And as an AE, you just have to do that in a lot. You just have to do that a lot harder. (laughs) You have to understand not just what is their current process, but like, what do they care about? And their, their interests and their concerns, are they mirrored by their leadership? Right, I've had situations where managers are like, "Oh man, I wish we had X, Y, and Z," and I get happy. I get happy years, or there's another term for it, where like, "Oh, okay, I'm gonna sell this deal," and then eventually, when I you know, talk to the CEO or somebody, they're like, "I don't care what my managers think. Like, they just need to do their jobs." <laughs> right? Yeah. So it, it's a much more multifaceted version of. Um, I, I, I would even go as far as to say, you know, as an SDR, you need to do discovery for the person. Basically, as an AE, you need to do discovery for the organization and for the for the, your ultimate decision maker, which might be the CEO or whoever whoever assigns the inks the deal.
1: So it's almost just like discovery on a bigger scale when you're in A.E., yes. but very similar principles, similar core. Um, no, that's awesome. So I saw a question in the chat a little bit ago, and it asked, what if you want to be a sales leader? What if you want to go into different avenues and not just do kind of the traditional SDR to A.E. route? So, you know, Obviously, this show is more geared toward if you do want to go that traditional route. But I want to touch on this briefly because I'm in marketing and I went from being an SDR to an account executive to an SDR leader to enablement to marketing. That was my trajectory. There was operations in there at some point, too. I might be getting a little off. But um, so I want to say it's absolutely doable. And what I'll say to you, whoever asked that question and whoever's wondering about this, you follow the same steps that Rod and Kat and I have been talking about throughout this this show. Right. Internally network. Keep your win sheet. Make sure you're killing it in your current role. Make sure you know who to talk to internally. Make sure you're having accountability plans or mutual action plans with your manager. There's not going to be like a huge difference to how you get promoted into other segments and other like departments. I mean, I will say, obviously, if you want to make the leap from being an SDR to being in marketing, you're going to want to talk to different people than if you were being an SDR to an AE. But a lot of these principles transcend departments. So a lot of them are, you know, principles that you can use if you want to be a leader, a closer, a marketer, an enabler, anything like that. Um, So, y'all, we have a few minutes left. And what I want to do right now, because we have a lot of questions, is take some of these questions live. So let's start with Sophia. Sophia says, here's a situation. I'm currently an SDR on track to be an AE within the next six months, however, Our product is not selling and current AEs are not hitting quota. Should I take an SDR role at a different company with a product that's super successful, with a good promotion track, or should I stay where I'm at currently? Oof, this is a good question. Kat, what are you thinking? (laughs) Um, okay, two things.
0: One, if the AEs currently are doing well, there might be turnover soon, and you might have a chance. It's easier to usually promote internally. You already know the product. So, there's that one side. Mine's not going to be, I can't make this decision for you. I'll lay it out. Maybe Rod can. I feel like that's the energy Rod gives. He'll be like, do this. Mine is like, on the one hand, the AEs might get let, not la- like laid off, but they might get fired if they're not hitting their numbers right now. Um, and that opens up space for you. That runs the risk, though. They might bring in AEs externally. So, that's very jumbled. There's also a lot of great companies right now that are killing it. And if you have been hitting your numbers and you might have to start off as an SDR again and kind of build that product knowledge is the only thing that I oftentimes see is you can't, unless you've already had selling experience, usually jump into from SDR to AE. It's just harder. It's not impossible. It's just harder to do. So just be prepared for that of like you might be behind by like maybe three months. You have to be an SDR again at a new company, which could help you with like onboarding and stuff, learning the product. So I'm going to throw it to Rod. That was very... One or the other, not super direct. So Rod, hit hit him with it.
2: <laughs> I like I like to think of things in terms of forks in the road. We're like, let's assume you do want to be an AE eventually. Um, and let's assume either one of two things. You need money right now or you don't need money right now. If you need money right now, get the hell out of there. Go somewhere that's going to pay you better. Yeah. If you don't need money right now, if you're doing okay, right? Go the AE route and get the experience of being an AE. To, I can't touch on this, right? It's much it's much easier to hire somebody who's had experience as an AE than somebody who hasn't. So that's that's the trade off.
1: Here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to say super binary. Leave. <laughs> I I don't like. Listen, you could do either route, and there are risks associated with either route. I would leave because here's the thing, uh, Sophia. A product that is not doing well in this economy isn't going to be doing well in a few years. We're in this economy right now where a bunch of the sales nice-to-haves are disappearing. Um, We're seeing consolidation with tech. We're seeing a lot of shifts in this market. If your product is not selling well, I would go find a product that does sell well. I, I would find a product that you can get behind, too, because it's really important to be able to get behind what you're selling. And here's the thing. You can explain that to a recruiter really well. You can explain, I went from SDR to SDR because I wanted to believe in the product. But what you can't explain to a recruiter is I didn't kill it as an AE for six months because my product sucked. No one's going to believe that. So if you move to the S- if you move from the SDR to the AE role and you don't crush it, that's not going to look good on a resume. So move to a different SDR role where you can crush it is my advice for you. Um, let's take one more question here. Do uh, What do you do if there is no role available? As an AE, do you run the risk and wait, or do you jump ship? Kat, hit us with it. Gosh, I feel like I'm so such a softy compared to you guys. Oh my god! <laughs> no uh, I get
0: perspectives. <laughs> I know. I just I struggle in this economy, especially of jumping ship. Um, I think you can make more of an argument of hey this is if i if there's not a position if i'm still hitting my number if i'm doing all these things and this position is still not available i'm planning to leave i think that's completely fair at the end of the day unfortunately we're all replaceable um we're kind of just you know numbers like we would love to think we're super important to our companies i do feel like appreciated by my company but like someone else can come in and do the same thing as me unfortunately so i don't know i feel like presenting that of like listen this is my goal if it doesn't happen by then i'm planning to move on and have those interviews on the back end, like no one's stopping you from having conversations with recruiters or seeing what else is out there, or just reaching out to like an SDR leader and learning about how their company is doing. Not even like leading with "Hey, I want a job." Just yeah. I want to look more. I think that never hurts, but that's my opinion. It's a little bit more of a softer approach.
1: <laughs> no, y'all, these were so these were such great questions. Unfortunately, we don't have time for anything else. I'm so bummed because I wish we could address more. But let's connect. I really hope everyone found this show valuable. Rod, Kat, really can't thank you enough for jumping on. Connect with us on LinkedIn. If you have any questions, reach out. Uh, Poor Rod and his DMs with the mentorship stuff. But Kat and I would love that too. So, you know, let us. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for a great show. Take care. Have a happy whatever day it is. Wednesday.
2: (laughs) Thanks, Caroline. Thanks, Kat.
1: Bye.